Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast. Today's episode is featuring two of the raddest bands you may have not heard of right now, and I'm excited to bring them both on the show. First up, I'll be speaking to the New York rock band Warren the Duke about their fantastic new album, All That Solid, and what else is in store for the band this year. After that, I'll be speaking with the Corpus Christi band New Ends as well to talk about their awesome album from last year, Everything's Better, and their new music as well. I'm pumped that I get to talk to both of these bands today because they're great, so stay tuned for both. You won't regret it. Welcome to Season 4 of the Powered by Rock Podcast. We'll bring you the best stories in rock music with a focus on highlighting independent rock musicians and their music from all over the world. No, rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's just time for you to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started. The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power by Rock podcast. I'm pumped to bring on Dan McCool from the New York rock band Warren the Duke today to talk about the band's new album, All That Solid, which I did do a review on, and I was just blown away by how rocking the album is. It has a huge sound. I would say it reminds me a lot of the first time I ever heard the Foo Fighters album One by One, which has the songs All My Life and times like these. And I was just thinking, damn, that's good. Like, that's exactly how I felt when I was listening to All That Solid. So after I listened to the new album, I was like, wow i gotta i gotta talk to dan i gotta do this review i've got to put more attention on these guys and even at times i struggled to find words to kind of properly explain why i was hearing because it was just like that kind of that big and i was like i don't even know like what are other words for big sound like <laughs> there's only so many things i can think to say but uh i'm excited to have you here so welcome welcome to the show dan thanks isaac flattered that's uh, that means a lot i appreciate that Thank yeah you. yeah i mean i think i actually saw after I did my review, I think I saw another review talking about how he that that reviewer thought that you had some vocals uh, aesthetics kind of like Dave Grohl's as well. So I must not be the only one to kind of draw those comparisons. But it's not like you were setting out to create a Foo Fighters album or anything like that. It just it just kind of it's a big sounding album. I mean, I've listened to the first album that you had, and then this one, and it's something behind it just got a little bit more more juice to it. So I was thinking well, like. Obviously, you guys have been around for a while, and then you took a bit of a break after that that first album. Have you guys been active, or were you just like not kind of on a hiatus? Or what was the journey like from before the the first album released, once the album was released, and then how you came to essentially releasing the new album? Yeah, well, like a lot of bands, I, I don't think that there was ever a decision to not <clears throat> do the band anymore after the first record. And I think we just we you know we had some lineup changes. And, um, you know, some of the members were traveling and touring with other bands and tour managing other bands and things of that nature. So we, we, I sort of use the word we loosely because there was always sort of a revolving door of members and fill-ins and things. We had members in New York. We're kind of half situated in Boston as well. And so we had some, um, some friends filling in in Boston and it just, you know, when things aren't clear with like who the membership is and what you're promoting and what you're working on things can very easily fall apart without anyone meaning it to. So that's kind of what happened after like 2016, 2017 or so. Um, so, and then of course, you know, I, I moved away to Boston uh, and um, that just kind of made things harder to stay in touch with people down here. But we eventually, I think uh, last, or I guess it was 2021, um, one of my bandmates was just hanging out with a guy who owns a great venue around here, just like 
and and just texted me one night and said, do you want to play a show as Warren the Duke? And I was like, we don't have a guitarist, but, um, you know, we kind of had someone in mind, friend of a friend, uh, if we ever did want to get back together again. So it was kind of like not really this grand plan. Uh, it just like one show happened. The show went really well. We had a great time. And I think after that, we kind of just, you know, got together and we were like, maybe we should write some more music. And um, it, it it's really been sort of um, this weird thing where I never really thought that I'd get the band back together again. I thought it was really a one album thing, but it's, it's yeah. great to have this kind of microphone. And of course, COVID didn't help like with yeah. all bands, but uh, we're, we're sort of relaunching after that now. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things that COVID didn't help, but at the same time, it kind of helped people focus on what they wanted to move forward with. Right. It was like this time to stop and say like, look at all the stuff that I've been doing. Is it really worth me driving in that direction or should I go back to something else or should I do something completely new or what? And so I think there's been a ton of new bands that have come out, uh, you know, bands that kind of resuscitated themselves after the COVID. And it's just been this like kind of grand reawakening of like musicians, especially because I think for obviously like almost better part of 18 months to two years for a lot of bands, they couldn't even play together. They couldn't play shows. They couldn't, you know, record or do whatever. So it's a lot of introspection, right? Yeah. People needed to get creative with, you know, how they put music out and what music, what putting music out sort of looks like. Um, my other band in Boston um, did uh, play another band called Ruin the Night up there. And I just, I just played trumpet in that band and uh, just like with some old friends and we were like recording in each other's apartments, like kind of wearing masks, like in different rooms, like someone's like in the kitchen uh, someone else is like in the living room or whatever, or someone else in the bedroom, like recording from all these different rooms. So it was, it was like a kind of a, kind of a dystopian kind of, uh, you know, recording situation. I mean, I guess that's how all recordings are as people are in different rooms, but, uh, you know, for different reasons this time. So, um, yeah, we needed to get creative in my other band and then, um, you know, I, but, it, but I think that COVID like gave, I think it gave people a lot to write about. I mean, if nothing else it, and, and just feelings of like, um, you know, kind of isolation and, and frustration and things like that. And, and obviously that, that plays pretty well into, you know, writing and playing punk rock songs. So, um, you know, we, we kind of use that, that energy for this album, that, that kind of um, sense of alienation to write songs on, on this new album. Yeah. And in the song, uh, obviously the album itself isn't just about, you know, like the, the gap in, in, in the time and everything like that. You've had some personal struggles, obviously, that you've been dealing with that kind of went into the writing of this album. So I was curious, like, obviously in, in the press release that I got, it's it mentioned, you know, references to divorce, addiction, and just some other, you know, personal habits and, and things you had to overcome, like challenges and stuff. So can you talk to, to me and to everybody kind of what was that kind of, how did the personal life stuff kind of really start to come out and map out like songs in this album? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it wasn't super different from the first record. And like, I always like joke that like the first record was written in 2015, which was a really, really bad winter uh, here in New York City. And it was like a historically bad, like a blizzard every day. And uh, we kind of thought we had it bad back then. You know, that was 2015. Um, and obviously, you know, the little the did you know that the end of the world was still to come. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's just been crazy since then. So, um, I mean, I think that you know, I've always seen, I've always really been drawn to like, to, um, to sort of, you know, punk rock music or, or rock music or music in general, uh, that deals with, with, with pain and loss and, and, uh, regret and sort of isolation, but then sort of crawling your way back up again. Like I love like social distortion, I think is like a lot of 
very kind of just bare bones, like raw emotion, you know, yeah. uh, about, about those sorts of topics. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, punk rock, like I, I grew up really loving the sort of like, I don't know, external nature of punk rock. Like you're like dancing at a show, you're like in people's faces, you're screaming at the top of your lungs, your ears are like bleeding from, from you know, from the music, from the guitars and the drums or whatever. It but turns like, out these amps aren't supposed to go this loud in this tiny yeah. room. <laughs> right. But they, but that serves a purpose, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and then when you're feeling like a kid, when you're older, you can always sort of go back to that. But I, I, I also, you know, so that's sort of externalized nature, but I've also been drawn to sort of the more, um, you know, especially drawn to the, to the more, the, the, the sort of lyrical content the musical content where people are struggling with something within um, that they've, they've been dealing with. And, and I think that that's sort of what, you know, we tried to do with the first record, frankly, too. Um, but with this record, it was especially sort of poignant with everything happening in the world, <clears throat> uh, you know, personal struggles and things like that. So this was just, um, you know, not uh, for, you know, to, to sort of uh, be a little cliche about it. It was kind of like a way to process a lot of grief, you know, was yeah. to sort of externalize it and, and write it out. I, I'm a strong believer that you can't really, um, you know, you can't really deal with pain and trauma uh, unless you uh, externalize it somehow, you know, yeah. and, and music is a great way to do that. Yeah. And I think especially for people who don't feel comfortable talking about their feelings, it's way easier for them to write a song about it. Right. It's like, I don't know why, but I can tell a million people or whatever this, this information, but I can't tell one person who probably actually needs to hear it the most. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it's, it's almost easier to tell people in general about something than like one person or two people. So yeah. So in that sense, it was, it was great to just have this as a resource. And I guess that's kind of like, you know, like I said, we didn't, I didn't think we'd ever like write another album, you know, after the first one. And then it was kind of like, Hey, I'm going through all this, you know, terrible stuff. And, and um, I don't know, I've got, a, I do have a band. We never officially broke up. So why not use this as the vehicle to, to express a lot of that? Yeah. And one thing I think there's, there's some, there's some points in the album and, and certain parts of the songs where, you do tend to point to maybe situational stuff, but then in, in a lot of times you're not specifically pointing to any one thing. You're kind of generalizing a feeling or generalizing, you know, uh, the pain in itself. So when do you think, like, do you ever look at a song and go, man, that's too personal. I got to like kind of generalize this a little bit more. Or do you think there is such a thing as being too personal in songwriting? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, it's a good way to put it. Like, like, like you just said, I mean, you're kind of, you're walking the line between the specific and the personalized, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it's kind of cool. The, the closer you get to the, the general, uh, the, the sort of general way of, of putting pain, the, the, the closer you get to sharing that with other people, you know, like no one else shared my specific stuff from the last three years. I didn't share other people's specific stuff from the last yeah. three years or, 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 or beyond, you know? Um, <clears throat> but like everyone can identify with loneliness. Everyone can identify with, um, you know, isolation, feelings of abandonment, feelings of like getting back up again, you know, everyone can identify with that. So I guess like I try to err on the side, you know, lyrically of, of, of going towards um, the more general stuff that people can identify with for sure. Yeah. And I was going to say kind of a good example of that is, is a song that we're going to have people hear after, after we're done with this segment, but the song anniversaries, obviously the title lends itself to assume that there's, you know, good and bad memories from anniversaries. Right. And then obviously once you divorce somebody, it's like, 
they're all tinted with that end result of being, you know, in a, in a mess of a situation. But you get this concept that, you know, year after year, you're having these dates come up that you're like, oh, fuck, this is that date or whatever. And you're like, but at the same time, in the song itself, it's not specifically saying like, I fucking hate April 30th or whatever, because that's the day we did this or something, right? So like, kind of yeah. explain like that balance between the the idea of the song and what you're actually saying in the song. Yeah, I no, I mean, you said it, it it's, it's very much like just um, anniversaries in general, you know, yeah. are, are, are tough, you know, even, even good anniversaries brings a certain amount of pain to them, you know, um, I don't know, not to get too philosophical, but you know, life is a mixture of both, you know, the good and the bad and the joy and the pain. And, and uh, so I just, um, I think I wanted to write a song about how I felt about a certain anniversary and, and I, it, like that that song was kind of like, um, I don't, I guess I'd call it some kind of a fever dream. Like I just was getting a line in my head, um, you know, when I was like trying to sleep that night and I got up, you know, with a guitar at whatever, you know, middle of the night and, and sort of these lyrics came out that didn't really exactly, it, it's not how I would explain the lyrics didn't explain how I felt, but it's yeah. um, like, it's just the sound of the words kind of explained it. And, um, but I just, I felt like just this really extreme sorrow and really extreme um, kind of optimism at the same time, um, yeah. which is, I think what that, that song just kind of came out as a, as a kind of um, cocktail of those, two, of those two feelings, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it was definitely just like dates in general, reminders in general, you know, yeah. triggers in general, like they're all, they're all there. So. Yeah, and that, that kind of throws me back to like grunge scene back in the day, like Nirvana songs. You listen to the lyrics and you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? But like as the song kind of plays as a whole and the somberness or the mood of the, the song plus the title, you're like, I kind of start to f understand what the song is about. But lyrically, I'm not even sure what he's fucking saying. I'm like, I don't understand. It kind of draws me to comparisons like that, where it's like it's poetic and you know there's something there and there's definitely something. But like you don't necessarily get it from just reading the words and straight in an order like that. Yeah. I, I think that that's, I kind of aspire to do that more, just actually like be as non literal with lyrics as I can. Yeah. Um, and I, I, if like, if I were a better lyricist, I'd be able to do that all the time, but, <laughs> but I love like, you know, I, I, I mean, Nirvana, like a lot of people was one of my first influences when I was like 13 and, and then, uh, went to the pixies and like sonic youth and stuff like that and and all that stuff was also just very like the words are a feeling they're not actually describing something literal yeah uh, which is I, mean, why I, I still don't understand a single pixie song i don't think there's one that makes sense <laughs> like, i don't really get it like well, i enjoy the songs i just don't understand what the fuck's happening <laughs> i went to umass which is where they went and where they met where they met in uh, western mass umass amherst and uh they wrote a lot about classes that not to answer that question, but it's, yeah. they, they, they wrote a lot about, I don't know, weird movies and like classes that they took yeah. and stuff. So there was always like a lot of folklore about the the Pixies and like we UMass kids actually knew what they were writing about, whereas most people didn't or something, but we, yeah. we probably still didn't either, you know? Yeah. And I definitely watched Shea Andalusia back in, in college and I get the reference, but I'm like, I don't really understand why it's fit into this song. Cause I'm like, I don't understand what the hell the rest of the song is about, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a songwriting trick that I always tell people, and I don't use it enough. But it's like if you don't if you run out of things to write about, just find like a weird old movie or a weird old novel, and just don't even watch the movie, but just read the Wikipedia article and just, yeah. write about that, you know, and just be like, oh, it's about this old movie, and people are like, oh, you write about, you know, it's just kind of a way to uh, fill it in. So 
yeah i think alt j is one of those bands that kind of just writes odd songs mm-hmm. about stuff like where the wild things are and stuff like that right like they'll just put it drop a book in there and they're like is this really about where the wild things are or you just got bored and put in like one line from that and you just said that's what it's about now right totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and obviously i read in your guys's bio that like you had some influences and comparisons to you'd mentioned social distortions like mike ness hot water music and against me and i can definitely hear a little of the hot water comparison and some of the uh, social distortion comparisons but to me, I think it's more of a rock heavy uh, sound now. It's, it was probably a little bit more punk on the last album. I think this one's kind of more like, I don't know, big rock. I don't know how, to, how you'd explain it. Like, like the Kiss and the Foo Fighters and stuff like that, like big, big rock bands. So it leads me to wonder what are some of the main influences of the band and what was the sound direction from one album to the next? Yeah, it, it was kind of all over the place. In ter- Well, the first record was, was engineered and... Um, um i guess yeah mixed by jay mass from defeater um and so he i remember we went in there and we had like a small budget and jay was like you know we kind of like did everything like over a weekend like very very quickly and 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 jay was like i'm i'm going to give you a record that sounds like the type of record that i record and jay had this very like iconic drum sound for instance and he was like basically you're not going to get in there and be able to tinker with how it sounds too much, but it's going to be like a J mass record. And I was like, that's fine. Cause I love J mass records, you know, like the way, yeah. he, the way that his records sound. Um, this record had a little bit more, I think we just spread it out um, a lot more over, over time. And we had uh, basically two, two different um, people sort of engineer it. Um, one of my best friends, Chris Duggan, who lives uh, on Cape Cod in Massachusetts, who I play in another band with, um, he kind of got it started. He recorded a lot of the guitars. Um, he sort of engineered a lot of the sounds that we got, uh, especially on guitars. And then um, uh, Jeff Berner, who's here in Brooklyn, uh, he's got a studio, Studio G, or he works at a studio called Studio G in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And he's just got like a really big, you know, you mentioned sort of like Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters. I kind of think of, of, um, of Jeff is kind of like the Dave Grohl of Brooklyn. Like he even kind of looks like him, um, <laughs> but he's just got, he's just, he's just very tuned into like big rock guitar sounds. Yeah. Um, and, and he's able to do that very well. He does a lot of other things very well too, but I think that their stamp is kind of all over this record um, in a way that I loved and in a way that was, you know, kind of intentional. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think like we, we played some records going in there. I think a lot of like the, kind of more modern against me records um, to talk about sort of influences like uh, their last two records, I think like since 2014 or so, I really, I I just really loved the, um, you know, the bigness of the sound on those records. They almost sound like kind of Springsteen records, you know, like some Americana influence. Um, But, you know, it always goes back for me to um, there's that record, white light, white heat, by trash by um social distortion and this the guitar sounds on that record are like just so creamy and and wonderful and like i everything i've ever tried to record um as as a singer of a band has been trying to go back to that social d record but yeah so it's funny how we do that like as people that play music right you're like man there was like one album that like if i could just get my guitar to sound like that like for every song i'd be like fucking stoked but like you buy all this equipment you buy all these amps you buy all these guitars and you're like I still can't get it. I still can't figure yeah. it out. It makes no sense. 
Yeah. And the engineer will always just be like, that's a, that was a different time in a different studio yeah. with different types of guitars and, you know, different players. And so it's, uh, it's not easy to, you know, I, I think in the age of like digital recording, we think we can just like um, screenshot a sound and just put it on to another record or whatever. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's really a lot, a lot harder, uh, a lot easier said than done. So yeah, there's actually the, opening intro guitar for uh the song i think it's called who would have thought by rancid where it's like i'm like fuck i love that riff like that's such a cool riff i can never get it to sound like that it sounds like shit every time i play it doesn't sound like all reverbery and just like cool like that i'm like it sounds rinky i'm like fuck i can't i don't know i still can't figure it out but yeah funny yeah that's a and that's a it's funny you mentioned that i think that that record was <clears throat> that's probably my favorite rancid record um oh, yeah. which really uh really stood the test of time me, me and my friends used to listen to that record in high school all the time life won't wait right and uh that's still i still yeah. go back to that record a lot a lot of good a lot of good parts on that yeah yeah and while everybody's you know all about an outcome the wolves like that was like their big hits right like uh mm -hmm. time bomb and all that stuff but then you go to the next album and you got blood clot 360 and all these other awesome songs on there and you're just like holy shit like there's th that whole album was pretty spectacularly done and i think it was because obviously once you get some success then you can go make an album that you really really want to yeah that's totally. great yeah. that record was like it was like kind of during like a, the big ska um kind of, it was like 1998 i think that was like right in my wheelhouse of when i started to really get into music and and yeah. really start to be like a someone who like got into albums or whatever and and it was like like dickie barrett was on that album i remember and um yeah yeah he was like, yeah. like from the sky world but yeah glad you brought that up i was like yeah that's <laughs> i mean that's one of those albums that like i like it was kind of tailing off of my kind of like I, I had a huge punk like phase and that was kind of tailing off towards the end of my punk phase. And then I was going kind of like indie and more emo and stuff like that. Although I didn't ever call it emo. It was just like, that was what it was labeled later. It was like, it's just indie rock. Like yeah. if you're talking about your emotions, it's not emo. It's like, if you're crying about your emotions, that's what I always called emo, like dashboard confessional or something like that. But <laughs> there were a lot of emo like purists. I remember who were like, um, cause like, I guess like Fugazi was kind of the original emo band or something i'm just like hazily remembering this but people were like emo is actually just it's you know emotional hardcore or whatever and that was like the yeah. thing for it but it, yeah i never heard that that the the that fugazi was ever called emo because that's a very interesting take on emo yeah really. well it was like hardcore that went into non-screamy kind of yeah. like you know and that was sure uh, but no, we're actually, but then it sort of morphed into the more dash, dashboard confessional stuff. We're actually going to, and we just saw that they're playing. We're going to go see uh dashboard confessional scene. So still. It's still guilty pleasure, back. huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Very cool. All right. So I have an interesting question for you because I have what I call my Mount Rushmore of musicians. So like bands, musicians, single musicians, I, I put just single musicians on there because I feel like they have a certain quality aspect about them. But I'm curious as to what your four musicians you would put on your Mount Rushmore of musicians would be. That's a that's a really cool question. I like that, Isaac. Is that, is that something you ask every every interview or? No, I ask different questions of everybody. So. Cool. All right. Not to get meta, but that's a great question. I yeah. Will, thanks. I, you should ask each band. Anyway, uh, four Mount Rushmore musicians. I mean, <clears throat> um. Kind of uh, like like we said, probably like Kurt Cobain, I guess, um, okay. to be somewhat cliche and generic about it. But I mean, honestly, like every time 
<laughs> for me personally, like as a vocalist, I think that just, and you can hear it now, I'm going through some shit with my vocals this week after this release though, but uh, no, I think- It's more like Kurt Cobain then just like- I know, I'm probably more than I want to, yeah. At least I don't smoke anymore, but uh, <laughs> but he, no, he's, he's probably the first influence I had in terms of like being, you know, someone who sings, you know, punk rock music. Um, um, probably Trent Reznor, you know, I love Nine Inch Nails. Um, I love just like screaming nihilistic stuff at the sky. Uh, and, and that just feels good. There's something really yeah. about that. So I love, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor for sure. Uh, Mike Ness, as we said, um, I think that like that, uh, you know, for me, just like the, you can kind of hear the pain in his voice. And obviously that comes from like a, a big sort of like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, you know, kind of, uh, kind of background but i think he just kind of brings it all in um with this like kind of you know perfect tone yeah uh, and i don't know number four is hard like <clears throat> um probably like a mishmash of a lot of people frank black i guess okay you know, i guess we've all talked about this band, these bands throughout the whole interview but definitely like pixies kind of like you know um quiet loud quiet um sort of formula is is what i like to use in warm duke and other bands i've been in so um, and then a bunch of honorable, men- a bunch of honorable mentions, but, uh, you know, yeah. for, no, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, some of those guys are absolutely some of my favorite too. I, I, I tend to try to play as many different kind of musical instruments as I can get my hands on. So for me, it, it's Tim Casher from cursive for his songwriting and singing. I, mm. I, I mean, his singing is so he's never taken any lessons. So it's like one of those things you either like the way that he sounds, or you just like, he can't sing <laughs> um, mm-hmm. kind of like a Billy Corgan, but way better at singing mm-hmm. than Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan always disturbed my ears, but I was still liked smashing pumpkins to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, so then it would be Neil Parrott from rush the drummer. I oh. still think he's like the God of all drums. I don't understand how anybody ever played drums that well. Dave mm-hmm. Grohl's up there for being just fucking phenomenal at pretty much anything he does. And it's like, how are you that good at everything? Like, it's it's fine to be that good at like one thing like Les Claypool on a bass guitar like from Primus like I don't understand how he's that good at bass guitar but then you can play like twelve other instruments too, and then last but not least mine would be Joey Cape from Legwagon for just literally being able to do anything punk or rock related and it always sounding good. I yeah. just he's like a chameleon of of musicians, totally. so yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but to <clears throat> on Dave Grohl, I mean, I just think like. He just loves music, you know, and, yeah. and I mean, we all obviously we all do if we play in bands and whatnot. But I think that that just comes through the most when I hear when I hear him. Um, yeah. And, and he's he, always happy to, like, support other bands. He's happy to, like, play on other people's music. He's happy to, like, join 10 bands at one time just because, like, he's like, what else am I going to do? I mean, I've got kids. They don't need to know that I'm home. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, Pixies were absolutely one of my I mean the song where's my mind is still i consider it my favorite song of all time so that's that's a huge i still i think that guitar riff at the beginning and how it kind of ends with that haunting vocals from i think it's kim deal or i think that's that's kim deal on that one yeah uh we tried to cover a pixie song for the release show last week we tried to do valoria is my favorite pixie song oh that's a good one yeah um, we tried to do it and it's just like I don't know. I, f- I feel like every time we try to do a cover song, that's a little like our guitars are just like real, real crunchy. <clears throat> and like you said, kind of big. And I just feel like it ends up sounding like kind of a cock rock version of whatever song we're doing. So we didn't, yeah. <laughs> we didn't end up doing it, but someday we'll, we'll cover a Pixie song for sure. Yeah. So. You just have to play like 
like little tiny ants or something like that and mic them up or something. Yeah. Well, Joe, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not a, I'm not a very good guitarist. Like my, our, our lead guitarist is like, he's actually like a guitarist with like a capital G kind of yeah, like shredder, all that stuff. Like, and, and I'm just, I just do power chords, but so it kind of yeah. lends itself somewhat to what the Pixies do, which is like very simple kind of power chords and then some like crazy experimental guitar stuff happening. And so yeah. we, can, we can pull it off someday, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. And obviously other than the album being released, I think when this comes out, it'll be a couple weeks old, but I mean, the album is out. So anybody can go check this out. I think it came out technically three days ago from today, but you guys just had your album release show. I think you guys did that with fat heaven too, right? Like you guys jumped on the same show. They had kind of their album release show with you, right? Yeah. We had like a dual release sort of thing. And yep. we, we had just originally booked it um, at our wicked lady in, in Brooklyn. And uh, it's one of our, you know, one of our favorite places to play. It was the first place we played after a big hiatus. <clears throat> and um, yeah, Fat Heaven was on the bill. And then they said, do you want to do a dual show? And it just seemed to make sense. And uh, yeah, it was great. Sold it out and just had an amazing crowd, a lot of love in the room, a lot of energy, um, a lot of like, you know, uh, it was like a, a little pit going on, especially for them. And, you know, it was just like a super fun show. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like how you're like, yeah, sold out. No big deal. Like whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I don't know. It happens every day for every rock band. Right. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done that before. So this is the only yeah. week I ever get to, to, to brag yeah. about it. So but. exactly. And I would be like, yeah, we fucking sold it out. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, good times. So do you guys have like any sort of like plans to play more shows? Do you any kind of regional touring? I know the band's kind of separated geography, uh, ge geography, geographically. There we go. That's the word. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're, well, we're playing next month in Brooklyn again on the 16th of April at a place called Gold Sounds uh, with a band called Shrug Dealer, um, okay. who are really great. They're one of our favorite bands around here. Uh, some members from the band Something Bitter, who we played with the other night. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that show is on the 16th. And then um, we are looking at sort of doing some more extensive stuff. It's like, we like today's Monday when we're recording this and, and the show was Friday and like, we were really burning it at both ends. As you can hear, yeah. I got like some kind of bronchitis or something like it just like really, really exhausted ourselves doing that. So today it was going to sort of sit down and start to do some more planning, but we definitely want to do, you know, some more weekend stuff. I mean, in the past we've played a lot in like Boston, um, which like I said, we're kind of, we've got some roots there, um, yeah. some friends up there and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, hoping to get out and, and tour, um, you know, somewhat extensively, uh, our drummer is leaving town, uh, in a few days. He's, he tour manages the interrupters. So he's going out of town for like, I don't know, two or three months or something. So he'll be sort of back here and there and we have some. Until he can say, okay, it's worth playing some, not some music that's not on tour, like the interrupters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a busy guy. So we're just trying to work around that a little bit. We've got some sort of substitute fill-ins that everyone's pretty comfortable with. So, um, sure. you know, kind of just like sitting down and mapping it all out on, on, uh, on paper and seeing what works. So. Very cool. Yeah. And I do want people to hear a song from you guys before we go. So um, I, I want to make sure that I just say, obviously, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it was good. I know we had to reschedule this because you were literally about to die from sleep exhaustion last week when we first scheduled this, which I thought it was weird that you wanted to plan it for the same day as everything that you had going on. But I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I just Mondays. I'm a, I, I'm always I'm somewhat energized on Mondays, at least for the first half of the day. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Was a good day, but yeah, but yeah. Thanks, Isaac. This was really fun. Um, yeah, but, and you guys, when you're listening, go check out the show notes below this episode. You can get links to the music, links to the social media, all that stuff. Uh, go check out Warren the Duke. Um, you know, there I'll drop some links to the other bands. I, I think you're gonna like at least one other band. If you have links to that, I'll drop it in there as well. Um, and make sure you go check out the album. Uh, all, all the what I'm, I'm trying to think. All that solid. I'm thinking all solid that ends well. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> ATS. ATS. Yeah. yeah. All that solid. But I want to play a song from that album called Anniversaries for More in the Duke. And I just want to get your permission, Dan, from the artist who actually has the rights for the song. Do I have your permission to play this song during this break? You have my full legal, moral, ethical blessing to awesome. So, whatever song you like. Yeah. So go check out those links below and stay tuned for anniversaries for more in the duke and it's going to place into the break and we'll be back right after this
Reverend Guitars embodies the idea that every run of scorching lead and every roll of finger-picked twang deserve the same passion and commitment to quality. Whether you're selling out arenas or playing in your living room, we know that what makes an instrument powerful is when players wield them to create something remarkable. A melody that moves mountains, a riff that just won't quit. We want to be there in your hands when that happens. For us, that means staying true to what we believe. Somewhere along the road of electric guitar history, it became a crazy idea that guitar makers should craft guitars with the same sense of purpose and passion, whether they're played in a bedroom or an arena. If that's a wild idea, then we're in the right place, carrying six strings and an attitude, and we're in good company. Reverend Guitars, well played. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm here with Brandon Platts from the Texas punk band New Ends to talk about one of my favorite albums of 2022, plus how they got to play with one of my favorite bands of all time and some more. So hey, Brandon, welcome to the show. Oh, what's up, Isaac? Thanks for having hey. me, dude. Yeah, of course, man. It's, it's great. So like, I want to start by saying I absolutely loved the album, Everything's Better. I know you have a new single out. We'll talk about that as well. But um, I think I listened to that like 10 times the first week it was out, maybe more, to be honest with you. Um, and, I, and I did an album review, and I can't remember what I rated it, but pretty high. And it was up there pretty high. And it's one of those albums that I would say it's kind of like every song is meant to be where it's at in the structure of the song tracks, like the list. And they're all really good. So I want to talk to, about, talk to you about what was your process going into the creation of the album. I mean, this was your first, I think this was your first full-length album, but you guys have kind of put out other songs and maybe even an EP for memory. Um, but this was like the first full album. So how did this kind of come about? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm actually very flattered that you complimented the set list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that was actually, I think I took the most time trying to get that to fit it in like a perfect puzzle, exactly where everything, the flows needed to go, where the transitions need to go. So for to hear that it actually paid off is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I wrote it, uh, I think I wrote it over about a year, a little less than a year. It took to really get it all together. Uh, but for the most part, it kind of started falling together towards the end. I think it was like yeah. Punch Drunk came out first and then True Spit was written. Then I wrote some of the smaller songs in between. I think the very last song I wrote was Manifested This. Uh, but for the most part, it was written in small chunks. Yeah, and so I think there's a, like a lot of personal... I guess, references without being too personal, if that makes sense. And I'm kind of curious as to like, how do you go about writing songs? Because obviously you can be really, really personal and, and spe like specifically name people, places, things, but you, you don't seem to do that too often. I don't recall that that ever actually happens where you name a specific person. You do talk about family members from memory. Um, and, and there's a lot of interpersonal kind of relationships that you talk about, but how do you know how to kind of write, specifically about people or kind of leave it general is it is it just you don't feel comfortable writing too specific or is it like too personal um in the beginning it was kind of like i didn't really want to name drop anything because you know things happen things go so yeah but uh, i like to leave it kind of vague that way anyone can kind of just jump on and relate to it kind of fit it the way they need it to fit and i like to uh, use i use the symbol of love a lot if you listen yeah. to it and it's not necessarily like i'm some dude with like a ex-girlfriend or anything <laughs> but yeah. it's just like you can use love for several different things if it's a relationship or if it's a um, you know like a passion type of thing but yeah. I, I like to leave it open-ended that way you can make it your own yeah and i seem to remember some um stuff about like parents i think maybe specifically about your dad um and 
I don't know if this whole, I don't know if there's like a, a dramatic theme or a thematic theme or whatever you want to call it of the entire album, but it kind of seems to go through a process of you reconciling your personal life with you becoming an adult, right? So like your childhood, um, other relationships. Is there anything that like kind of, I don't know if there was like, I, I don't know your entire backstory, right? So like I don't, there's not a whole lot of, hey, Brandon Platts, here's his whole life story right here, like laid out <laughs> on the internet. But um, kind of explain to me like how did, your actual life kind of play into the writing of these songs and how did it kind of, when I say the track listing kind of flowed, it seemed to make that growing up and, and becoming an adult thing chronological almost, but with like some splices of memories kind of weave, woven in there too. I think it was your uh, review that you wrote. New ends was kind of like um, a diary for me. Yeah. And in, in a lot of the ways, that's what it is. And mainly that album kind of serves as stuff that I d didn't really want to talk about or didn't know what to talk about. So I just write a song about it and kind of let it be what it ends up being. But as far as uh, my backstory and all that goes, there's hints of it in there. Um, really, I like to write for other people, people that don't really write or don't really know how to express it themselves. So mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with the kind of the storyline in it. It's based around, it's mainly based around a character named Sphinx which is um, he's a guy wearing a mask and you don't really know what's under the mask because he's not too sure himself uh, who he wants to be, what he wants to look at type thing. So to, yeah. be able to, write, uh, to be able to write around that, try to help him grow up, I feel like I was able to grow up a lot too and just kind of tell my story with some, like I guess like a, a outlet, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that because you're one of the very few bands that actually has kind of like a, a band mascot and obviously it's called Spanx. Uh, you can kind of <laughs> see it right behind you. There's like the, the yeah, skeleton kind there. of guy there. Um, and you know, it makes he, that character makes some appearances in your music videos and the cover art, obviously. But where did that idea to have like a living representation? Like, did you decide like, Hey, we're actually going to have somebody dress up and do this on our music videos. And did you actually kind of think that you're going to have it as recurring kind of theme or mascot for your, your band going forward? No. Uh, so growing up, my brother, my little brother is actually the drummer for the band. So growing up, we got real into like uh, some 41 Blink-182 type bands who never really served. They never really had a mascot, uh, but they had the attitude. Yeah. And then we were also really into like um, American traditional tattoo art and all that. So we'd mess around with uh, skulls, flowers, swords, snakes type of thing a lot. And so he had uh, he drew, drew the cover for Burnout, which was the original, just as flaming eye skeleton and we kind of took it from there so he really just started off as like a drawing a doodle that my brother made and then we we're like let's incorporate him into a story somehow that's and that's where i think his first appearance was the burnout like i said but then he also came out in the punch drunk music video the the uh, lyric video and yep. then from there we we're like what if we made him into an actual like character that we put into an actual video like a live action thing human yeah person yeah. wearing a mask yeah and then uh, I want to talk to you about that, that animation on that. How did you guys come up yeah. with that lyric video? Because that was pretty damn good animation. Did you guys do that yourself or did you have to outsource that? Uh, my brother. Yeah, my brother Bradley. He's the one that does all that. That's crazy. That's that, dope, right? How, how long does that really take good. him? Because that's got to take, I mean, I'm not great at drawing, but even just like, I still don't understand how animated movies are made. I'm like, that would take a hundred years to draw all those yeah. frames. I don't understand it. I'm not exactly too sure how it works either, but I do know it's kind of like bit by bit. Yeah. So you, you draw this scene, then you draw that scene, then you draw that. So scene, you just turn to him and say, "Hey, make us a lyric video, and it better be awesome, you son of a bitch." Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
he i asked him the other day if he was still up to it just because like i don't want him i don't want him to think like he has to do it just because he's in a band so it's like if you got time do you want to and he said yeah i want to so we kind of leave all the creative up to him and he's been killing it damn that's awesome did he do all the cover art and everything for the album all that stuff Mm -hmm. wow yeah he drew that behind me he drew um for just about everything new ends you see the single covers and all that's him that's pretty awesome yeah because i feel like almost every band has like at least one sort of either photographer or graphic design type of artist in their band and it's like how the fuck do you you have to play the music you have to help write the music you have to then record the music and now you're just going to be like the graphic designer slash you know illustrator or whatever it's like how the hell do you have that time like that doesn't make any sense to me but yeah he's he's been able to do it so i'm grateful he's really been able to bring an image that i wanted to see type of thing like for the the album art i said he asked me what i wanted i said i wasn't really sure but i just want something that's going to look good on a wall because i was yeah. collecting vinyls like crazy and i would hang them up on the wall and stuff like that so yeah he actually that did, reminds yeah, me i still don't have your vinyl which i need to get on to oh, so. i'll send you one yeah oh cool thank you um yeah because i'm gonna put it somewhere in here right behind I see it right <laughs> above the dropped out I was yeah yeah i'll take down decent criminal i'll be like you guys you're off the wall now and interesting <laughs> text me like why aren't we on the wall anymore I'll be like oh, i don't know don't worry about that's it. what i need to get i was trying to figure out what's a good backdrop so you don't see how dirty my garage is and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll put this thing up but i need one of those walls because that's pretty sick. yeah yeah this i mean i try to put up you know independent musicians so that way we can see more from them and highlight bands that not everybody's going to hear about i do need to rotate it more though because i think these ones have been up there a little while but just put up dropped out this year and a couple of other ones but yeah in the wide shot you can see all of like a wall but now it's just like six or seven of them but whatever yeah um yeah so i know you guys obviously did some touring on on top of obviously recording and releasing the album last year so one of the things that i was i won't say jealous because i'm not good enough to be jealous of you i'm not that kind of level of musician but i would say if i ever got to play a show for one band or play in a show that i was like opening for one band i would probably do it for toadies you guys actually got to do that. And that was like, holy shit, that's a pretty big deal. And they're a pretty big deal in Texas too. And you got to open for them in Texas. So what was that experience like for you guys? And are you guys fans of the band at all? Uh, we are actually. And a big thing with Toadies is like, you can catch Toadies in Corpus, like maybe at least once a year, once every other year. Yeah. And it's always sold out. So yeah. I, it's not even that I thought about that going into that, but I kind of knew that in the back of my mind, it was going to be a big show type of thing. Uh, it was fun. It was an experience. It was a different kind of structure than what we're used to. We're kind of used to showing up like at the show and then you go on like 10 minutes, you go to the back 10 minutes before you start, you get on, then you play, you leave or whatever. But this was, yeah. uh, it was really organized and it was kind of cool because I've been to Brewster's, uh, that uh, venue here in town, but I've never actually been to like the production side of Brewster's or whatever. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool to have someone coming up to us, ask if we need anything. There was a time they were like, we got beer in the back for you. He's like, what? Yeah. Two cases of free beer back there. That was pretty sick. Uh, like, meal all right, so we're going to drink this before the show. What's after the show? <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. The dude and the toadies are cool. Um, it was, I mean, it helps out that I love the songs too. So it was yeah. a lot of, it was an experience. Yeah. And I, I can imagine like for a band that was big in the nineties, like, and this is the thing, like they've been making music pretty much nonstop since well there was a little couple of little hiatuses there but they've always had music coming out and they went independent again which was kind of cool like most bands that essentially when they 
get signed to a big record label, they're either like, okay, we'll just keep pumping out records that sound exactly the same. So that way we can keep our record contract or we're going to do things our own way. And the record label can either like it or not. And in their case, the record label did not like what they wanted to keep putting out. So it was interesting that they went back to being independent and now run through like, you know, um, more independent record labels, which I always appreciate that about bands that I like from the nineties that then still made good music, did it their own way. And then got, you know, independent away from big labels because there's too many bands out there that if you listen to them in the nineties and then you listen to their last album that might've come out a couple of years ago, it's like, what the hell changed? Like you're still making yeah. the same garbage music that you played back then. I was like, I didn't yeah. like it then. It's still bad now, <laughs> but that's cool. I didn't know uh, they were indie. Um, the bass player is actually part of uh, Titus too. As a yeah. side band. I can't remember. Is it? I can't remember the name of the band, but they're on. That's what we were talking about back there with them too. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So what's kind of the, the trajectory that you guys are looking at for new ends? I mean, obviously you guys were probably in bands or played music before new ends, but then did this start kind of after the pandemic or during the pandemic that you wanted to kind of put new ends together? How did that all come together? Uh, so it was, bef we started before the pandemic, but like we started maybe two, three shows in and then it hit. Oh, wow. So we didn't ver get very far. I think most of our progress was made last year as far as uh, out-of-town shows, local shows, you know, building an audience and stuff like that. So yeah, that was the bulk of it was last year, and we're just trying to pick up running this year. Then we play our first local show this month, and then from there we'll see what happens. But for the most part, we're just keeping on from where we left off, trying to. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Keep the momentum. Cause yeah, yeah, it's, it's one thing to release an album and it's like, Oh, we did something. We, we accomplished something great, but it's like, well, th that's not the end of it. Like we got to keep going. Like this is just the beginning. Yeah. Like this is what spurs us on. Right. So I do want to ask what, what were some of the kind of influences you had when you were kind of growing up playing music? Like what, what were you listening to that? I mean, new ends for me is, is rock music, but then it's like punk foundation or in some songs, just flat out punk music, but then it's like some poppy not so poppy, more emo. There's like a lot of good mix in there. So kind of explain what were you listening to when you were kind of getting into playing music? music. Um, I think the first band I ever really latched onto music wise would probably be like Guns N' Roses and Rush. Okay. The, the more like classic rocks. My dad was big into classic rock. And then yeah. uh, when I started hitting puberty and all that, trying to figure out who I was type of thing, I was listening to a lot of Blink-22 and Sum 41 and all that. But I guess that that'd be the majority. Those. Yeah you know, West Coast punk bands and then Misfits, Simple Simple Plan, those types of bands. I got into a little bit of indie, not too much, like Bright Eyes and Lydia and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just going to be straight up pop punk bands that I listen nice. to. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I think your, your music has a big sound, but it, then it's polished like pop punk, right? So it's like, it's got like this really gritty rock stuff that's coming up and then it's like, it sounds like a really just clean pop punk sound. So I'm like, I can tell there's layers there, but I can't tell what exactly it came from. Like maybe like, I don't know, kiss or something. Like I, I was like thinking like <laughs> something big, some big arena band like that, but guns and roses makes a lot of sense. And rush, yeah, obviously they're fucking insane. So um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. Are <laughs> you you're into rush? Hell yeah. I'm into rush. Dude. I bought Holy a triumvirate. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the Russian Rio vinyl. It's nice. like three, four different vinyls, and it was like 80 bucks. I finally found it at, a, I think it was in Waterloo. Very it's cool. like my holy grail right there. Yeah. the uh, I mean, I my one goal was to ever, like, there was like four musicians I ever wanted to have on this 
this podcast and Neil Parrott was one of them. Uh, unfortunately he's passed away now, but I was like, if I could interview Neil Parrott, like that would be amazing. Cause I, I truly don't think there's ever been a drummer alive that was ever as good as him technically, even if there's faster drummers or louder drummers or whatever, like Neil Parrott, like he just had everything that was like in, in any sense of the word, like you just play, say, play something cool, Neil. And he's like, I got you. And it was like the most mind blowing shit you ever seen on drums. You're like, what the holy shit is this? Yeah. So, yeah. And then when he gets up and his whole set rotates around him. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> big deal. I got a 360 set. We're changing songs. I'm going to switch to the other side here. Whatever. Yeah. That was <laughs> and they have to like airlift him out with a crane so they don't have to disassemble it. <laughs> now, but awesome. So I do want to take a quick break so we can play a track from your last album. This is going to be Punch Drunk. I always want to say punch drunk love because of the movie, but it's yeah. the song punch drunk. And I want to get your approval. So that way Spotify, YouTube and all these other algorithms and, and things know that it's okay for me to play your music video for punch drunk. So do I have your full uh, verbal consent to play punch drunk? Let's play punch drunk.
music career is incredibly difficult trying to get people to like share comment listen follow it's all just overwhelming most musicians give up before they ever achieve success and that's the worst if you're looking for a better way to grow your music career head to diyrockcareer.com for some absolutely free training it costs you nothing and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream go to diyrockcareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode then i lost my all right. Hey, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the music video, Punch Drunk by New Ends. I know it's pretty freaking rocking. So uh, I always like when I when I listen to it, I get pretty pumped. So hopefully now you're back listening to us and you're like, oh, it's that guy from that band, that fucking band rocks. So uh, <laughs> so welcome back. Uh, hey, Brandon, I want to talk about what you guys have coming up for 2023, because I know you did release the new single Much Better Now. Uh, for memory, it's, I don't think it's all acoustic, but it is on an acoustic guitar. I think there's some other instrumentation in there as well, but, um, talk to me about the song a little bit and then what else you guys got going on for 2023? Uh, so for the most part, I started writing already. Um, hoping to do another album, if not another album, you know, a few EPs split it up or whatever. Uh, but that song was meant, I think I'm going to do a full version on that song on the album, but I was kind of just recording something, putting it together, getting it out there. Cause it's been a while since we had dropped anything. Yeah that's kind of like the standing point my original idea was to make a whole separate album but i think it'd be cool if i kind of made a bridgeway between the first album to the second album just to show like the progress as far sure. as uh, the storyline goes but i think for the second album, we'll be focused more on a different character we've hit uh we've met, mentioned him a couple times mr mess okay we have the we have the song mr mess but then we've i think maybe we worked on the idea more like within the band but it's just going to be bringing out the guy in the devil suit. I think we've seen him a couple of times on some merch or whatever, but nice. he'll be the main point of what the second album is. Nice. So you guys are going like full rush, basically putting together kind of concepts within your albums, huh? I think the concept is the way to go as far as an album is. Cause it's like a, a whole, it's like a piece, piece of yeah. art. Instead of having a whole bunch of different tracks, just like piled together, you have one giant piece of art. And I think that's kind of where albums should be. Yeah, it's kind of like instead of just drawing a character, you're putting like a whole painting together, right? You give the scene, the environment, the atmosphere, all that stuff. Yeah, we don't we don't do stick figures. We do fully <laughs> fully developed landscapes. 
yeah i i feel like one of these days you're gonna push your brother over the top and just be like hey can you do the artwork <laughs> he's gonna come up with stick figures and be like what the hell is this you'd be like oh uh, i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> he may he may he's gonna listen to this episode and be like stick figures that's a great idea if that's all we need then that's all i'm gonna do <laughs> Now, but do you guys have any shows or anything? You guys are are you playing any fests or anything that you know of coming up this year? Uh, nothing that we have nailed down right now. We're going on a, like a, we're gonna do like three shows in May, Corpus San Antonio. Then it's looking like El Paso. We'll do those back to back. Um, we have a few shows next week. I think maybe a show or two in April. But for right now, we're just trying to nail it down, get the songs recorded and out. Cool. So kind of taking a break from any major moving around kind of things. So that way, you can kind of get the next thing going, huh? Essentially, essentially yeah. that's what it is. And do you think that you'll be recording the album this year and releasing it next year? Or do you think that you're going to try to do whatever it is like and release it this year, either your EP or, or, or an album? Well, I got, um, I think about three songs already recorded. So I'm hoping to get about the e the first EP dropped maybe about May or June. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to do like probably like a t two EPs to make one full album kind of thing. Is that what you're thinking? What I'm thinking is two EPs and then a full album being about like six unreleased songs. So I guess gotcha. all in all about three EPs, I guess. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. different. So you have to do about 18 songs roughly then is what you're thinking. Roughly. Yeah. Interesting. Bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like, well, this EP is nine songs. This EP is 10 songs. This LP is now 12 songs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about four on the first one, four on the second one, and then a total of like maybe 13, 14 songs in the okay. last one. That makes sense. Very cool. Well, I'm excited as hell to hear it because whatever you put out, I mean, every song that I've heard so far is pretty incredible. Uh, I think if you want to, you know, go check out the album, make sure to go check out Everything's Better. Came out last year, but then you can check out the new song, uh, Much Better Now, which it's funny because you've got like Everything's Better, Much Better Now. It's kind of like, it, it's a like an improvement cycle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Everything's Better is meant to be like a, um, like a sarcastic saying, like, yeah, sure, everything's better, but like, yeah. really, it's not. Much yeah. better now is kind of like the bridge to get into where uh, maybe it can be better. So then we'll see what happens with the album. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today, Brandon. Uh, guys, make sure you go check out the show notes below this episode to listen to the music. Go check them out on social media. Follow them. You know, like them. Listen to the music. Go buy an album. Go buy whatever. And make sure that you support them because I have a feeling when you release this next album, Brandon, that you're going to get even bigger and then you're going to be playing even more festivals and doing more cool shit. Uh, maybe you'll be playing, maybe you'll be headlining and have Toadies co-headline with you. That'd be nice, huh? Hey, that'd be <laughs> sick. <laughs> but yeah, guys, make sure to go to the show notes and check out those links below. And remember the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. To show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. If you're listening only to this podcast and not watching the full video, you can watch the full video interview on our YouTube and Spotify channels as well. Also, if you like reading, you can go to PoweredByRock.com to check out some of our awesome content, also to shop our merch and our gear. So go to PoweredByRock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for checking it out. Until the next episode, we'll see you soon. Until then, rock on. Supposed to be